In a world with so many uncertain and confusing voices, isn't it wonderful to know that there's an objective truth outside of ourselves? That truth is found in the Word of God. That word, which Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is our foundation, and through it we learn the good news of Jesus Christ, the Gospel. This is Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. We invite you to join us today as we mine the riches of God's Word, searching as for hidden treasure, that we might understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Here's our pastor and teacher, Wes Bradenhoff. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to this Monday edition of Gospel Talk. I'm glad that you've joined me today. Well, you know, it can happen with people, can happen with places. You know, you live with someone special, you live someplace beautiful, but after a while, you start to take it for granted and you just don't see it anymore. Colors that were once vivid turn to shades of gray. Well, about 10 years ago, we lived in a, in a certain city and now we've come back to that city. We've moved back there. And it's like we're seeing it for the first time, me and my family. Now, maybe we didn't see things, certain things 10 years ago. It could be that we didn't have the time to look around us or what have you. Maybe things have improved over 10 years, but now we look around at this city that we used to live in and we see a beautiful city. This city that we're living in looks like a, a fantastic place to live and to work. Well, that can happen with your city. That could happen maybe in your marriage. You start to take one another for granted. But it's also something that can happen with the gospel. It's something that can happen with the good news of Jesus Christ and the beautiful truths that it proclaims. We can become so familiar with it, or maybe we think ourselves to be so familiar with it, that the shine wears off. Our prayer should always be that the gospel of Jesus Christ never stops to amaze us, never stops to captivate us, to inspire us, to motivate us. We should be praying that God would help us so that we would always be impressed with him, that we would always be in awe of what he has done. Our prayer should be that he would work with his Holy Spirit so that we're always motivated to make much of him with our words and with our works. Well, this week on Gospel Talk, we're going to be listening to God's word together from John 17, verse 3, a passage that helps us to do that very thing. This short verse here in John 17, 3 points us towards a renewed appreciation for the gospel and for the benefits that come from the work of our Savior. In this passage, John 17, 3, once again, we're led to be amazed at the gift of eternal life and the knowledge of the God who gives that life. Now, John 17, 3 reads, Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Those words were spoken by our Lord Jesus. Now, as we want to unfold and we want to apply the truths that are contained there in that verse, we do need to take a, a brief step back. We're in the gospel according to John, and that gospel is unique among all the four gospels in that it focuses so much on the last evening before Jesus' death. In fact, there are six chapters, chapters 13 to 18. Chapters 13 to 18 are all about the last Passover, so right before Christ's death. 
And chapter 17, where we find the text we're looking at, is right there in that context. Just a few short hours after the Lord Jesus said these words, he was hanging on the cross. He was crucified, bearing God's wrath against our sins. Now, during that last Passover, our Savior had encouraged his disciples. Now, there are many uplifting, many positive words that I could mention, but verse 33 of chapter 16 gives us a, a good example that's quite near at hand. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And then right after saying those words, our Lord Jesus looked up to heaven and then he began praying. Now, friends, it's important to see that when he did that, he wasn't all by himself someplace. He wasn't in a deserted place in the middle of nowhere, all by his lonesome. He was still in the upper room with his disciples. They were there with him. They heard him praying. He was praying not only for his own benefit, not only to prepare himself for what was about to come, but, and this is really important, he was also praying for the benefit of his disciples. He was also praying for our benefit, for you and for me. And the Apostle John was there in the room with Jesus, and he heard him utter these words, and the Holy Spirit led him to record these words for us. And now they're part of God's inspired and inerrant word. Now this prayer has a special name. Sometimes it's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. Everything that we find there in John 17. And it's called the high priestly prayer because here the Savior intercedes for his people, just as the high priest would have done in the Old Testament. Here we see the Lord Jesus and his love for those whom the Father had given him. Here we see the Lord Jesus and his love for us, for you. He prayed for you here in John 17. And the reality is that he continues to pray for you, to intercede for you before the Father's throne. And because the Father loves the Son, you can be sure that those prayers are answered in exactly the right way. Now, friends, I'd ask you, isn't that a wonderful, comforting truth? Isn't that something that's wonderful to know? In the Lord's Prayer, I think many of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, Christ taught us to first of all seek the holiness of God's name. Hallowed be your name. And that's what he does here too. He asks the Father to first of all glorify the Son so that the Son can glorify the Father. That's in verse 1 of John 17. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And then in verse 2, he says, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. He says here that, talks about the authority that he had been given to grant eternal life to all those who had been given him. In other words, all of the elect, all those who have been chosen by God from before the foundation of the world. And as, he, as we come to verse 3 then, he provides an explanation of what eternal life is. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a moment with me. He explains what eternal life is in John 17, 3. He's praying to the Father. Did he have to explain that to the Father? As if the Father didn't know, didn't understand what eternal life is? Of course not. The Father knew that. The Father would also have known that the Son knows that. And so why does Jesus say these words in verse 3? Why does he explain what eternal life is? Well, again, it was for the benefit of those listening in, for the benefit of the disciples, and then by extension, through the gospel according to John, for us. He explains what eternal life is to teach us. And here again, we see his love and concern for us, for all of God's people. Now, this isn't the first time that we find eternal life mentioned in John's gospel. According to John 3.36, those who believe in the Son have eternal life. Those who do not believe, well, they have the opposite of eternal life. What's the opposite of eternal life? Well, it is having the wrath of God abide on you. We also find eternal life in John 10, verse 10, when Christ said that he came so that believers could have life and have it to the full. Eternal life is the full life. In a couple of chapters earlier, in John 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And from all this, we learn that because the opposite is so terrifying, having the wrath of God abide on you, eternal life is something to be desired, something to long for. We also learn from the, the, what the rest of the gospel says about it, that eternal life is something that will far exceed your expectations. And finally, eternal life is something that can only be attained through Christ and resting in him and trusting in him alone and looking to everything he has done for you and in your place. All these things that you could not do for yourself. You could not pay for your sins on the cross. You could not live a perfect life of obedience to God's law. But Jesus Christ has done it for you and in your place. And here in John 17, verse 3, eternal life is connected with knowing God the Father and knowing God the Son. Eternal life consists of knowing God. Now, to begin with, we have to think about that word, knowing. You know, knowing can be a bare intellectual kind of thing, like knowing that 2 plus 2 equals 4, knowing facts. That kind of knowing can take place between people and in relationships between people, too. You could know some facts about me. You could know my full name, my birth date, and so on. But does that mean you know me? You see, there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. You can know about someone without necessarily knowing them. But the reverse, the reverse isn't true. You can't know someone unless you also know about them. To know someone, you have to know about them. There are certain things you need to know. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, knowing is often a word that's used in connection with relationships. It's always that way with regards to God. With regards to God, knowing is always about relationships. 
and then about positive relationships. In, in Jeremiah 9, for instance, in verse 3, God says that the people go from evil to evil and they do not know him. In verse 6, he says that through deceit, they refuse to know him. That's verse 6 of Jeremiah 9. Through deceit, they refuse to know him. The people knew about God, but they did not know him. They did not live with him in a relationship of fellowship and love and obedience. You see, knowing God is a matter of having a positive, friendly relationship. It's a matter of a, we would say, a covenant relationship. Through the covenant, God relates to us and we trust him and follow him and we enjoy fellowship and communion with him. In its most basic sense, that's what it means to know God. It means to stand in relation to him. Now, there's a lot more that we could say about knowing God, and we're going to continue with this tomorrow. So I hope you'll, you'll join me for that. I'd just like to mention that if you do have any questions about anything you hear on the program, feel free to drop me a note. My email address, gospeltalk at hotmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything on the program or anything about the Christian faith in general, feel free to drop me a line, gospeltalk at hotmail.com. Till tomorrow, may God continue to richly bless you. You've been listening to Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. We trust that the Word of God has blessed you this afternoon. This broadcast comes to your courtesy of the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. The Langley Canadian Reformed Church always welcomes visitors. You can find us at 21804 52nd Avenue in Langley, just to the east of the airport. Our Sunday worship times are 9.30 and 2. You can find more information about the Langley Canadian Reformed Church at our website, www.langleycanrc.org. Once again, that website, www.langleycanrc.org. You can email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. That's gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Again, that number, 1-866-288-1087. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. Thanks for listening.